On this week's special Easter episode of Hemispheric Views, we're talking about technology fatigue, Johnny Decimal, and not forgetting Media Corner. All that ahead. Is that the first time that we've had a full introduction like contents at the beginning of an episode? Audio contents? I believe so. Yeah, I think so. We're getting good at this. And no one can see that Andrew's wearing Christmas pajamas on Easter. I didn't have any Easter pajamas, so I had to wear something. So Christmas is... They're the nice ones with the little button up. The co- they've got the collar, the buttons, like a little business suit. Throw an Easter tie on that and you're set. You look like you belong in a Maya catalog, Andrew. That's a compliment. Like you're, you're sitting on a lounge suite with happy family. I'm happy to do my bit to support the Easter Christmas festive season. And Martin's got his festive balloons for episode 25. Are there 25 balloons? Oh, look, there are certainly more than 25 little golden ring things. What is it, confetti or something on the inside of that balloon? These are actually Natasha's birthday balloons from her aunt. It's a bit of a tradition that this aunt of hers buys very generous balloons for any family or uh, family member or close friend. I'm pretty sure she's keeping this entire business afloat with her balloon purchases. But today they're festive hemispheric views balloons. And there's a mass. Can you see the massive blue one up the top? It's not a uh, it's not a gender reveal situation, is it? Where you pop the balloon and pink or blue confetti flies out. It has that vibe, I know. But uh, no, not this time. Well, I would like to dedicate this show 25 to Natasha's birthday then. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Natasha? Jason says happy birthday. So does Andrew. They're dedicating this episode to you. She says thanks. <laughs> she seemed overwhelmed. <laughs> you may not have heard that on the recording, but she was just giddy with excitement after hearing that. We may have to just even tone the volume down in that part just because she was so, so happy yeah. about it. Yeah. It's like a blast of enthusiasm coming through the, yes. my headphones. Yeah. I'm certainly fatigued with technology this morning. We're recording at a different time. My internet's exploded. I have no idea why. I added these into the show notes based on two things that you put in there, Andrew. So I'm putting the spotlight on you. Okay. I think it's interesting to discuss when we're overwhelmed with technology, but you also put a thing about the remarkable two in there, which is a case of technology to escape from technology. Anyway, now I'm dumping it on you. So what did you have to say about that? Well, my my question I had in terms of monotony is it seemed like a few years ago, maybe I'm just getting old and jaded, but it seemed like there was more excitement around releases and particularly being Apple people, we'd get excited about the new Apple tech coming around the corner and all that kind of thing. But I feel like it's just getting to a point of relentlessness. You, You know, you're getting a new iPhone in September. You know, you're getting a new iPad in March. And you know that they're just going to be iterations on the same. I feel like we're just starting to get into this feel of just, here comes the next iPhone. Let's get excited about it. Let's move on. Let's get excited about the next Mac OS 11.1 that's going to be coming soon because that comes annually as well. Everything's just on this metronomic cycle, but there's nothing that's really moving the needle. There's still... There's improvements, there's incremental improvements, but there's nothing that is grabbing me in the way that that it's an internet communicator, it's a telephone, it's a, you do it better than I do, Martin, but you know, are you getting it yet? Perhaps this year we're going to see something with VR glasses, but I don't know, even that, it's not really getting me pumped up. I don't think I care about that. So I don't know, maybe I'm just being a whinging old man, but what do you guys think? Is it, is it just too monotonous these days? 
Is it too corporatized? I think everyone is just spoiled. That's just straight up what I think. I, everyone has become accustomed to getting everything they want anytime they want it. And I'm not casting this on everyone. I include myself. I mean, that's part of the issue with the whole Amazon thing that I talked about before was when it's just too damn easy to get stuff, stuff becomes meaningless. It's almost like I think everybody should just have their technology taken away for a year or two. It's our own damn fault because we wish and, and want everything. And then when it's actually provided, we don't know what to do. So we just wish and want for more crap. We place these expectations on these pieces of technology. Eventually they get there and then we're still not satisfied and we want something else. So it's kind of, it's, it's our own fault, honestly. And I mean, I'm sure people will argue with me on that and that that's fine too. But I really don't think it's the fault of the the companies creating these things because if you look at what most of the stuff is that we're using every day it is mind-blowing what the hell we're able to do with these devices that we put into our pockets and i think that just shows how much we've taken for granted <laughs> and we want everything to be a hundred when there's nothing in our own lives that we do incrementally a hundred percent better every single year so I don't know why we expect these devices that are made by us to be that. That's my my kind of initial thought when you said that. Yeah, I've just been finished reading a book about managing your life in a stoic way. And they say sometimes you need to, as a thought exercise, imagine the world worse than what it is so that you appreciate what you've got at the moment. And it sounds like, you know, imagine, imagine the world with your wife dead. <laughs> And now you'll, you'll appreciate her so much more that she's here and with you and alive. So maybe imagine your world without that iPhone in your pocket and then you come back to it and you're like, this really is pretty amazing. So what you're saying is life philosophy, to become an optimist, you should be a pessimist. Yes, something like that. That suits me. I'll yep. call it realism or something. <laughs> I felt like when I was younger and they were streaming keynotes for the first time or something, there seemed to be more events dotted throughout the year. You had like the music and the iPod events, if we're talking about Apple specifically. You had an iPad one. Things were spread out. And now they've gone for the big drop of 15 things through an action-packed two-hour infomercial. So I find it's probably more fatiguing during that particular event that they broadcast and then we move on. The fatigue that really hits me is that, and this is why I saw your other note in our show notes about the Remarkable 2. And if anyone doesn't know about that, it's this really interesting paper tablet. It's it like uses ink, doesn't it? That little e-ink stuff or something? Yeah, like a Kindle. Yeah, like yeah. a Kindle, but for writing. And it's proposed as this escape from bright LCD displays and the distractions that you would have away from a notepad I kind of noticed that there are lots and lots of different things sitting around me all the time, which like Jason said, are entirely my fault. You know, no one other than the marketers from these companies told me to buy them, but I went out and bought them and now I'm just surrounded. And then we hit the Easter weekend, which is when we're recording. And I go, I'm not actually checking things that much. It's been really freeing. I haven't had notifications and devices around me. And as much as I love doing this call, the moment that I went to interact with technology, the internet died and here we are. So I think the fatigue for me doesn't come so much from the release cycle, but I'm just surrounded by these things going ping constantly. I think it's also interesting that whenever there's conversations around stuff like this, you know, my devices are taking over my life or, or whatever the case is. It's an interesting thing that we always tend to say, XYZ device is the problem. 
I think XYZ device should fix that problem. And it's like kind of a weird circle you fall into where the thing that's the problem, now you're expecting that thing and the people that made that thing to fix the problem that only exists because you have the thing to begin with. So it's like, I don't know, like where does that circle end? At some point we, we really do have to take responsibility ourselves, I think, to some degree. I, yeah, there's definitely places where, you know, I can't talk about technology addiction or anything with any kind of professional perspective or anything like that, but it does become somewhat of a circular argument at some point, I feel like, where we, we look at a thing and say there's a problem and expect the thing that is the problem to fix the problem that it's creating. I don't know how that could ever work. Could you provide that to me in a diagram, please? Yes, I will. Absolutely. It will be in the show notes. <laughs> As I was saying that, I was like, this is just going. In a bit. I'm now, I am the circle. Surprisingly, it did kind of make sense. I get what you're saying. You know, like basically we have to take some personal responsibility for all this. And if we're getting frustrated with tech, do something about it. If you do, are finding it boring, step away from it for a while. Especially all of us in the Apple world are notoriously terrible at this of... You know, if there were one event a year, we would complain that there's only one. If there were an event every single day of the year, we would complain that there's too many events. There is no perfect thing that that the company could do or any company could do that would actually make everyone happy. And that's just part of human nature, right? There is no, oh, well, if they did these things and then they do those and you say, well, yeah, but they didn't do these other things that I never even mentioned. It's like, okay. There's always going to be this push that for them to do things that they're never going to do that you want, and and that's never going away. Yeah, ironically, I'm actually hanging out for the the, uh, the upcoming iPad event because my current iPad its battery lasts only a few hours now, a couple of hours, <laughs> and I'm desperately wanting a new iPad, but I'm not going to buy one until they have their event. So come on. Did you also have that blotchy effect? Because you have the 10.5, which is the same one that I have, yep. one of those earlier pros. But you got it replaced, didn't you? And that's been fine. Yeah, great memory, Martin. So, yeah, I got, I had it for a year or so, just short of a year, and took it back. And they replaced it with, I guess, a refurb model, but which I would assume it had a new battery in it. And, yeah, and yet now, a couple of years on from that, the battery just doesn't last. I do use the heck out of my iPad, though. But if I try and play an arcade game, oh, baby, that thing just disappears that's actually one of the games to see how fast you can deplete the battery ridiculous so other than battery life what do you actually want out of a new one since we're talking about fixing technological problems um look the only problem i have with my current ipad is the battery the smudginess of the screen that thing gets i don't know if they've improved that but it gets fingerprints like crazy and what else do i like i don't really like the shape i'm, I'm kind of excited to get one of the squared off edges things but that's that's just fashion really the, the actual, I never noticed my iPad really ever being slow or struggling with anything. That's a 2017, what is it, 2017? That's four years old now, right? In terms of design, my the one I own is, I guess, three years old now. If the battery was still fine, I was talking about, to my wife about it. I was like, I could spend 165 bucks on just getting a battery replacement. Or I could buy the new sexy one for thousands of dollars. And so, yeah, maybe I'm against my own argument here because which one do you think I want? <laughs> You'll find a way to justify it in your spreadsheet, I'm sure. Something that I'd like them to do, to be honest, is I would just like to have more affordable, higher storage options, because this is a big first world problem. But like both of you, I'm sure I have a big photo library. 
all of it lives as kept originals on my Mac. So you scroll through, it's all there, everything's instantly loaded. Then you move to this super fast portable dream machine, which has always been based off really, really quick SSD technology. But of course everything's optimized. So you sit there waiting for a 1080p or a 4K video to download in your own library and it kills the moment when you wanna show family or relative something. So that is something that I find personally fatiguing on something that should be really quick. But of course it's gonna cost you thousands of dollars to get that storage. What size devices do you guys use for, I guess, I guess everything, maybe like your computer, your iPad, your phone, what do you generally go for? I'm pretty, I'm a bit of a miser. Like with my iMac, I got the low storage thinking I'd just get an external hard drive, which I've done. iPads, I usually get the middle one. I've always gotten um, cellular as well with my iPads. Although maybe this one I wouldn't. I'm pretty sure I've said that in the last like six iPads. Like maybe this time I won't get the cellular. And I always do. <laughs> so convenient. And I, the best part was that my last iPad, the 11 that I got, the 2020 version, 20, whatever the latest 11 inch iPad is that I, I bought, I think right, right as pandemic was hitting or so got the cellular version been using that a lot not at all <laughs> it's just been off for a year that long really jeez uh for me my mac mini is two terabytes i mean i got that relatively recently and i thought i need some storage whether it's occasionally downloading a movie or just having all of my photos like i said uh for the 12 mini I actually went down from 256 gigabytes to 128 wow. from my previous 11 Pro just because I thought I would put a lot on there, but I never did. And I don't mind the optimization of the storage on that one so much. I always think I'm going to, you know, sit down in some public transport situation and enjoy the full length of the matrix or something, but it never happens. So, you know, moving on, I made that smaller and I still have lots of storage left, even with all of the videos and photos that I take. And the iPad, which I got years ago, Andrew and I have the same model. I got a 64 gig cellular for that purely because I was using it differently then. Now that I have more photos and videos and I'm doing the podcast editing on it, it suddenly feels like more of a primary computer than it ever did before. So again, this is all just whinging. It depends how you use the device, but the moment that you put some more stuff on it, it's nice to have some more space. Something I've noticed that even we've just said here in this is whenever you hear somebody talking about something that is that they don't like about a certain device it's always you know apple should fix x they should fix y when it, and it's funny because it, it's you know fix is very specific meaning it's not technically broken and it may actually be a feature that a lot of other people really really like that you're saying is is technically broken. But it, it's interesting that I noticed that, and maybe this is kind of across other brand loyalties too. Maybe this happens in Windows world, Android world. I'm not sure, because I'm not hugely in that. But it is always a, Apple absolutely has to fix this. And it's like, I actually like that it does that. So I would prefer them not to quote fix that, but maybe just make an option for you to be able to disable that or whatever. But it's very, it's always a, it's broken and fix it now. <laughs> yeah, but that even applies to things that aren't technological. I think you're exactly right. When Natasha and I went out for dinner the other night at our favorite restaurant in Wollongong, we love the menu there. It is just perfect. And they will always rotate specials which are really great too, to give some variety. That seems like common sense to me. But we heard people at the table next to us saying, 
they really need to refresh this menu. I'm, you know, they, they, they just need to fix it and do some new stuff. And I thought, you're obviously here because you enjoy it. We're all here enjoying the same food. Like you said, what are we fixing? So yeah, I agree. It gets very subjective, whether it's tech features or items on a menu. Just don't fix something that works well. I don't know. This may not be related at all, but this came into my head. The other day we were talking about, oh, what was, oh, remember in, pa- I think it was called Passbook when there was the, the cool little shredder animation where you'd put the little pass would go in, it would shred and really like, oh, that's pretty cool. Recently something came up where I was thinking, you know, everything. So we went through this phase where everything was very whimsy. Everything was about looking like a real thing and all of that. And it kind of arguably went a little too far in that direction for a while and then there was a little bit of a course correction and then it started going back the other way but i'm kind of feeling like everything's gone maybe too far and it's a little everything's just super serious and sterile now but i was playing with an app the other day called alfred alfred something like that it's like alfred but for reading it's like a read it later thing Anyway, that's not important, but one of the things that in their little, what do you call it, where they walk you through the app, whatever that is, onboarding, they had this this feature, which I'm sure most, you know, majority of people are going to scoff at me like, that's so dumb. Why do they do that? But in Read It Later, you often run into the issue where you have articles in there that have been in there forever that you don't read for whatever reason. It's been in there for like eight years and you're like, someday I'm going to get to that article But they had this thing where it was basically as the article got older, it got dusty (laughs) and you could blow into the microphone to like blow the dust off the article to kind of bring it back (laughs) if you wanted to actually read it. And it was just one of those things where it's like, is that necessary? No, but I sure as hell thought it was a really fun idea. And it's like, do you have to do that? No, of course you don't have to do it. But I don't know. I just feel like maybe we need to get a little bit more of that back and if it's probably always going to be this teeter-totter of too much not enough too much or you know oh i hate that why do they put all that fun stuff in there it's like because that's kind of what this stuff is about i mean like i remember in the early days of using a mac it was always like oh use a toy computer Mm, it's like oh you mean the one that looks nice yes that is the one that i use correct but yeah so i just i feel like maybe we need to get a little bit of that back and a lot of complaints that i hear now again, amongst the the Mac head people of why they hate Big Sur, or why they hate iOS, whatever the hell. I kind of wonder if maybe it's that. It's just bec- it's become too sterile and plain and it doesn't have as much of a personality maybe as it used to. I don't know what you guys think about, or maybe you hate the, the whimsy stuff like that. But I, I just thought when it was the little thing where you blow the dust off, I was like, that's a that's a fun little thing that isn't necessary, but but I like it. Kind of like the when it's your birthday and the balloons happen on your watch. I absolutely love that. And you can do it as many times as you want throughout the day. Do they need to put little balloons on your watch? No, but I'm sure as hell glad that they did. Martin is. He's Mr. Balloon Man. Yeah, we've got actual physical balloons here. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I love those little whimsical skeuomorphic things. Sometimes I think like with that dusty one you just said, Jason, read it later services end up being read it never services for me. So that would just be completely caked. <laughs> like it would actually be moisture affected and the microphone blowing thing wouldn't work anymore. It would just be like concrete. <laughs> so yeah, but some of them, like I think I've whinged before 
the puff of smoke that used to exist in the dock oh, but no longer does but still smoke. exists on the toolbar of safari that actually performs a function it's not just a useless animation because if you were to do it now and we all know because we've used macs for ages but if i took a folder or an app icon off my dock and dropped it it disappears but it does the same sort of thing that it might do if you were putting it somewhere or dropping it somewhere the puff of smoke actually tells you this is gone it has left it has disappeared so I think it actually can give very useful context in certain situations. It's not always redundant. I miss the puff of smoke so much. I used to just put things in the dock just so I could bring them out and get the puff of smoke. And I love that it was like a low-res animation as well. It was like four frames or something. It's like, it just looked totally out of place, but brilliant. <laughs> so bring back the shredder and bring back the... And the, dis- and, and the closed box area on notifications. Fix that and I'm happy. And the proxy icon. Oh, yeah. the pro- Yes. Oh, God. Oh, the proxy icon. Oh, my God. If they don't bring that, they should fix that immediately. You guys are taking the piss. I am serious. Yeah. 100% taking all of the piss on this proxy icon. Proxy icons are brilliant. Best thing on the Mac OS. Never used it. It's useless. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's angry now. Talking about managing technology, I really want to hear about this from Andrew because this is like an anal retentive organizational dream, right? I'm seeing Johnny Decimal in the list. We've talked about managing devices, but managing things within software, things within your file system. Andrew, what do you have to say about Johnny Decimal and who is he? Johnny Decimal, what a name, hey? He's an Australian guy. I think he's based in Canberra, so that makes him pretty good guy show him about the camera a bit but everything else is pretty good <laughs> wow <laughs> okay <laughs> johnny decimal he's got a website i think it's johnnydecimal.com unfortunately it can't be johnny.decimal which would be the ideal url but we don't have that is one. it dot com or dot com dot au dot com it's cheaper and it's, there's less restrictions on getting it It's hard to get a .au. You've got to have a business and that kind of stuff. Weird side tangent. Sorry to interrupt you on the Johnny Decimal. But when there's like .co.uk, .co.au, .com.au, whatever, I don't understand why the hell you would want that when .com is so prevalent and just shorter. Yeah. Any any thought? I I mean, I guess I don't know what you would have to say about that, but I'm confused as to why you would pick that. I guess if the other one's not available... I think for governmental things, it makes sense. Like you'll see .gov a lot internationally, but .gov.au or .gov.uk or whatever would just denote where it is. But for businesses, everything's increasingly international. So I agree. It doesn't really make much sense anymore. Okay. Back to, uh, back to you crapping all over where this fine gentleman is from. Yeah. So, but he seems like a lovely chap. I haven't spoken to him directly, but there's now a forum for Johnny Decimal Acolytes. Uh, started off on Slack. Realized that Slack was useless, quickly moved to Discord, much better. There's also a discourse forum, so it's really, uh, that's going that's going ahead, great, great guns as well. What is Johnny Decimal? It's a system to organize files. You guys excited yet? Oh, I'm pumped. I Sorry, I, was, I must have been muted. You didn't hear my excitement. <laughs> I was ringing a bell really loudly when you mentioned file systems, so... <laughs> so it's sometimes hard to find files, right? The Johnny Decimal thing is all about creating numbered category systems and putting everything in one of those buckets, but you cannot have any more than 10 buckets. So you create like a 
a, a high-level category that might be finance and legal. And that all sits within categories 10 to 19. And then, so category 11 might be banking. 12 might be pending lawsuits. 13 <laughs> might be bank statements. Uh, 14, mortgage. And then within those, so then they've got an address. So then you know that mortgage lives at 10 decimal dot 10.14. And then you just, and it sounds so basic, right? Isn't that the Dewey decimal system? Isn't that the same thing? I like the Dewey decimal system as well, which is probably what appealed to me about this. So it's all about knowing, and then you can share that information. So if you're in a business or something, they can say, hey, Dave, where's the... uh, Where's the, where's the pending legal cases? And you could just say, oh, the legal, they're in, they're in 10.12. Dave doesn't know. Dave never knows. Why do we even hire Dave? So it's, it's a category. It's an ID thing. And there's a whole description on their website, Johnny Decimal, of how to do it. It's a lovely looking website as well. It's just, it's kind of, it's one of these things you can just squirrel into when you've got nothing better to do. Or if you're trying to avoid doing real work. I have two questions. A... Have you implemented this? Yes, I've been trying to. I've actually, impl- it's, it's sort of structured around the idea that most people would keep stuff in the Finder or the Windows Explorer or wherever. I've been Johnny decimalizing my DevonThink databases, which is actually where most of my stuff lives. Can you say that 10 times quickly? Boy, if that doesn't sound like the dream, I don't know what does. <laughs> Uh, question number question number two. When I talk about this, I realize how boring and nerdy it sounds. So I'm probably not really not doing myself any favors. No, I guarantee not one of our thousands of Amazon podcast listeners have skipped this chapter yet. Mostly because Amazon probably doesn't support chapters or show, no- show notes or anything that looks nice. Question two I had was how long until I open up our podcast folder and find everything Johnny decimalized? It may happen. I didn't want to. <laughs> I, I feel like our, our folders are actually quite neat already, which is good. It's a good start, but it might happen. I mean, look, I, I Johnny decimalized my own folders. So look, I've got um, in my finder, I did do some Johnny, Johnny decimalization. So I, in my documents folder, I can tell you that podcasting lives between 60 and 69. Obviously. Yeah. So, and haven't yet gone down the next route because if I start numbering, then you will start to be impacted by it because I've got a shared folder under there. It would be 61 hemispheric views, uh, 62 MBL podcast, 63, keep practicing, rest in peace. Oh, too soon. Yeah. So look, we've got to start. Roman numeral three, how many pending lawsuits do you have? Uh, none. Okay, good. <laughs> but I like to stay prepared. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Then maybe they're not pending. <laughs> Pre-pending. I know people talk about the Feld foot all the time, constantly, you know, going and meddling with an M dash or semicolon or two. But uh, I particularly enjoyed in our old, in our own folder structure recently that our raw MP3, our editing folders were recently amended. The title now includes assets or something, because I think I must have dropped in a picture in there and someone was offended. Does anyone want to own up to that? Uh, that was me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it was non-descriptive. It wasn't just raw, raw audio or whatever it was. It had assets. And I was like, because I went looking for another folder. Do we have a mirror folder for assets related to that episode? I couldn't find it. I don't blame you. I wanted to congratulate you, but we all have our thing. Well, if it would have been in Johnny Decimal, you would have been able to find it. Yeah, we all have our own thing. 
<laughs> well, we, it's not just me as well. There are a number. I want to, I'm going to shout out here, particularly one member of, there's a number of micro blog people who are involved. And I think this shows an interesting personality type that enjoys both micro blog and folder organization. One of the people who's really got behind it is at Jack on microblog. He of the million blogs, he constantly changes his blogging platforms. He changes everything all the time. That's why he uses Johnny Decimal. Yeah, I think so. So so he can find them all. Yep. And Johnny Decimal is looking to build some sort of software to help with the automatic numbering and generation of numbers and that kind of thing. So he's trying to think of how what he might be able to um, build it out into more of an automated system. But join the forum, get involved. Nice people, interesting conversations. If you're just looking to expand your organizational horizons. And you would still encourage people to get in, involved in this, even though he's from Canberra. Nobody's perfect. <laughs> yeah, in a roundabout way of saying. I hope he's not listening. <laughs> I'm just trying to get you in trouble. I hope he is. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait till I do research on this and find out what the issue is with this location. If you don't like roundabouts, there are a lot of them there. Are they always beating the wildcats? Is that the issue here? Is it like the... The, Cam- the Canberra roundabouts are much better than no, the they, Perth Wildcats. No, they couldn't even maintain the team. They used to have the Canberra Cannons, but they went defunct. Do you have an issue with Questacon, Andrew? Is that what it is? Questacon's all right. It was a bit, looking a bit aged the last time I visited. I like the big ramp that you walk down. Yeah. Jason, do you know about Questacon? It's a gigantic science center or like learning area that uh, is very family friendly. And despite my numerous efforts to sanitize years ago this is well before covid was a thing sanitizing between touching lots of different exhibits because it's very interactive i still managed to cut catch conjunctivitis from that place and that's not against questacon great establishment it was just my poor luck it's a package deal just imagine thousands of primary school kids pouring through a venue day in day out all doing their trip to canberra as part of their civic duty Media, Media corner. corner. Jason, what do you got? I have a television show today. I don't know if I've done television shows yet. Usually I do games. This television show I found on, I think it's Netflix. I'm starting to forget where the heck I'm finding things now because they're all just kind of there. They're on the. I found it on my TV. That should be helpful for everyone. It's a British television series, I believe. It's called The Repair Shop. The thing here is family heirlooms, people bring in different things from their past to be restored, but it's a little bit different because these the, the people they have on the show are like just hyper-specifically experts in different things. So somebody will be, you know, all I do is ceramic statue repair, and then this guy only does clock mechanisms. This guy, this lady maybe does like saddles so it's just they, they're very hyper focused and hyper perfection at what they do so they just bring in these old things and it's amazing to see the transformation from you know the broken crumbling family heirloom into this seemingly they don't the thing i like about it too is they don't just take something and make it look like it's brand new because that's then it kind of loses a lot of what it meant to the family. So they just bring it back to a place where 
it is a functional holistic piece again but still retains its kind of age and and appeal um so yeah it's just it's so cool to see these people do these very very artistic and specific fixes for these different things and there's maybe i don't know 10 or 11 different people and sometimes they bring in specialists for very specific things anyway it's called the repair shop and it's it's a fun show to watch even if you just kind of use it as one of those in the background while you're maybe doing your johnny decimal and you gotta have something else going on um give it a look i think i think it's netflix and there's there's a bunch of seasons i'm only on like maybe episode seven or eight of season one is there a specific heirloom or object that you saw that was really interesting something that you hadn't seen before Mm, good question i think i had not seen it specifically in myself but there was a a toy car that was maybe mm, maybe like the size of a bread box but it had a full working like rack and pinion steering and everything in it and this thing was just destroyed and they took that thing back to fully working the little steering wheel worked again all the wheels moved and some of the stuff they bring in, it's like, that's not going to get fixed. And boom, there you go. It's working again. I feel like the English have a really good culture for this kind of stuff. They seem to have a lot of old things and they, they value that. I don't know in the, what it's like in the US, but we just don't have that culture of re- reparation. or of, like You watch these sort of BBC shows or what have you, and they're like, oh, here's a grandfather clock from 300 years ago or something. You're not going to have that in Australia. So there's just no... There's no capability and there's no stock. You know, you would never find such a thing. It seems like the UK are really good at creating that kind of show engagement. You know, the sort of the antiques, the antique roadshow kind of stuff. It's the first show like this that and it felt different. There's a lot. This is not a new concept to bring in something that's broken and have it fixed. But for some reason, just maybe it's the things they're bringing in or... I think it's more so that it's not usually, usually these shows there's like, you know, a handful of five or six people and they all kind of are generalists to a certain degree and well, we'll get it done. Or if it's like a car thing, we all kind of know how to work on cars. So we'll just sort of make this car look good again. This one is cool because it's like, here's a thing and like, oh, this is definitely so-and-so and then maybe a little bit of this other person too, because this really fits their two specific, um, you know, things that they do. So I think that gives it a little bit of a different feel, which is cool. And then you're always seeing different people and different uh, processes in each one. Nice. Good pick. Martin? Natasha and I recently went down memory lane watching a movie that I don't think either of us had seen for at least 10 or 15 years. Actually, maybe even longer. This was a childhood favorite. And you know, when you revisit a piece of media, particularly a movie that you haven't seen for a long time, and you just go, what on earth? was going on well the movie was billy madison by adam sandler and i don't know the you've i assume you've both seen that movie yep yeah yeah absolutely i've seen it and already i'm trying to remember like i don't really recall what it even was about right okay well if people are listening and they haven't seen the movie the basic premise without ruining ruining anything is that adam sandler plays the son of this hotel magnate right this millionaire or billionaire who has this whole chain of hotels and he wants to 
well, he didn't really know that he wanted to, but when he found out that he wasn't going to inherit the company because he's uh, too much of an irresponsible loser, he decides to go back through each grade of school to prove to his father that he has the commitment and educational knowledge and abilities to run the place. And I just remember it being this hilarious movie from when we were kids and watching it again, it is indeed very funny and silly. But the thing that struck me was how absolutely nonsensical it is. When I was a kid, I just accepted this premise, right? This story just washed over me and we're sitting there. I'm going, why on earth is he eating glue? Why on earth is one of the teachers putting glue all over her face? And we just sat there looking at each other going, some of the scenes in this, it's like this patchwork of nonsense and a lot of it i actually wonder if you could make in today's current hollywood situation do you have other examples like that where you know whether it's post me too or or whatever or whether people buy into the whole idea of cancel culture and stuff i don't want to open a political can of worms but stuff that you watch again and even though it's funny you think that wouldn't pass today that couldn't be made Basically every movie and TV show that I watch from the past. <laughs> Your whole collection. A- absolutely. Like every single one, there'll be something where I'm like, oh, damn. Oh, that doesn't, that, nope. You don't want to, that's not good. Yeah. But b- most things I would say, I, I'll, I'll put it this way. I'm surprised when I get through an old movie slash TV show where I don't say, wow, that really didn't. Mm-mm. that was not a thing you should have said that was bad yeah i feel like it seems like culture has really taken a quick shift doesn't it? it it was sort of the same for a long period of time and in the last two years maybe even if that it's just been like hit the brakes change the direction 90 degrees we're doing we're doing things different now and i really feel like there's been a, a noticeable change whereas for 20 30 years it was all kind of like same, same. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm not, you know, crapping on a movie like Billy Madison. It was still very funny and, you know, there were lots of silly scenes. I think if you hadn't seen it as a child or of that particular period, because I think it's from 1995, which really isn't that long ago, historically speaking, but really a long time ago, like Andrew said, we've had this cultural shift. So if you watch it as an adult or you never saw it before, you'll probably watch it and go, this is ludicrous and horrible. But yeah, I... I'd encourage people to watch it if they hadn't seen it, just to see what they think. Or if you're not interested, choose something from the archives of the past or an old DVD on the shelf of something that was a real favorite when you were younger. Revisit it and see if it's still acceptable or even funny, particularly if it's comedy. And and, and if you do find something as a listener, send it in to us because I'd like to know what it is. All right. I was going to say, I don't know if we want to edit this out because it might be news for another day. Probably. But... Talking about old old comedy shows that um don't hold up too well. Been watching The Golden Girls. Mm. Yeah, doesn't hold up at all. Part of a potential project that I'm I'm spitballing at the moment. Seriously, I don't know if I want to edit this out. I'm getting a thumbs up that it stays. So yeah, The Golden Girls. Wow, where do I even start? Watched it recently. Well, watched it as if it's one thing. I watched the first episode recently and within along the lines of what we're talking about right now, within maybe mm, the first minute, I was like, oh, wow, really? This is I don't remember it being like this at all. Um, It wasn't I don't think it was horribly offensive necessarily, but you can tell that there was definitely some some undertones in this show of like, wow, that's that's not appropriate at all to say or think, but here we are. Yep. 
Yep. Yeah. I'm curious to see where this goes into episode uh, two through 127, but it falls squarely in the category of what Martin's talking about, where you had a a mental image of what the show was, and I've you know I've seen plenty of the show in the past, but it's a lot different than I remember. <laughs> so I've gone on a Golden Girls little thing. Um, it all started from a, a gift that Jason presented. <laughs> Blanche Devereaux. <laughs> and I thought, oh, Blanche, I have Golden Girls memories. So I thought, I'm going to watch an episode. Because of the proxy icon. Yeah, yeah, that's where, yeah, that's actually. Actually is where it stemmed from. So full circle. So I've been watched the first episode of Golden Girls, watched the second episode, and I thought, what if you, what if you did a, a, a short podcast about each of the Golden Girls episodes? And you had five minutes, you make, you make three points about the episode, you're in, you're out. And I'm presenting to Jason. Martin's just like, he's too young. He doesn't want to do this. But Jason, I think, Jason, I think may have, he may be enough about the, must have the heritage of the Golden Girls in him. And we thought, what if we did a podcast, five minute podcast per episode called The Golden Guys? Would people listen? I hope so. (laughs) I have, I have put this to a number of friends of mine. They've all, they've all been women actually, but I have had nothing but positive reactions to that. The idea of a five-minute podcast, that's they're not committing a lot of time, but just a retrospective episode by episode, this could be a winner. I, I hear it's big on Amazon Podcasts, so I'm, I, I think it should be a thing. There should at least be a pilot. There should be. So let us know. Let us know in the... I don't know. How do, how do people reach out to us? Twitter, Discord, Discourse, Microblog. At Golden Guys on Twitter. Have you got that already? I haven't yet. Oh, crap. Damn it. <laughs> I've got to go register like 15 domains before this thing comes out. Is the profile image just going to be you two with puffy hair? Basically, the, the idea, yeah, the cover art's getting pretty close, but I was thinking we'd just kind of paste our faces in with them in their like kind of their the, the logo that they have for them. We would just kind of be in the background or maybe in the foreground, like a badly photoshopped uh, family portrait where like, you know, Aunt... Bessie didn't show up to the family gathering, so you had to Photoshop her in later, that kind of thing. So Andrew's Blanche. Who are you, Jason? I'm not entirely sure, to be perfectly honest. I had an opinion, but now she's already starting to be a little bit, you know, of a problematic issue for me. So now I'm kind of thinking maybe I don't want to associate (laughs) with that one. So I'm going to need a few episodes to really kind of hone in on, on who my persona is going to be. So I'm not, you know, associated with the... with certain <laughs> beliefs. <laughs> I have been doing a, I have been doing a lot of research though about anything that may be an issue regarding the show and and backlash over the years and I haven't found anything yet. So Oh, that's good. So watch out for that one potentially. <laughs> I think um just by recording this podcast and drawing attention to the show those issues may arise. So you two could be the catalyst. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I'm worried about. This is a little bit of a. a if you took a landmine and you filled it full of hornets' nests, and then wrapped it in spiders, Australian spiders, obviously, and then tried to step on that, that's kind of what I feel like may happen. I'd listen to that. Yeah. So we'll see. So you're the golden guys who kicked the hornets' nest. It sure feels like it could go that way. Well, you know, 
let me know when you have all the accounts up. Tell the listeners. Uh, you might have some new Golden Girls fans out there to connect with. The internet's really big and there's room for everything. That's what I'm saying. Perfect. I have to start a pickle podcast or something now for the few people on micro.blog who actually like pickles. Wow, didn't that turn into something? There was some real pickle haters out there. Absolutely. And just cucumbers in general. I, I was flabbergasted. Yeah. Next thing we'll have, we'll have big cucumber coming after us. We had big avocado. Probably. You know, like how they talk about how TV shows go into space and then eventually aliens will hear them millions of years from now. I'm convinced that our last episode was actually like the reverse of that. So it was coming back from another planet outside our solar system. And it just, you know, the bits got flipped, got interjected into the fireside. It somehow got published and there it was. So I... So does that mean aliens use Australia Post? Yes. Yeah. That's why it took so long to get here. I want a pair of those Nike shoes, though. Wouldn't those be great? Ethernet ports in both shoes, even though you only need one. What will they come up with next? Wow. And that thing that fixes everything that I really didn't even understand. Okay, can you, uh, let's start with Martin. Can you please say far out as though you are Australian, which you are, and you are reacting to something legitimately as if it were upsetting you? Oh, far out. Okay, now, Andrew, please go. I'm just going to channel, channel the anger. Oh, far out. Okay, see, I'm never going <laughs> to, I have a lot of work to do because I really want to get to be in the community that can say it correctly, but I think there's an issue with my vocal cords that don't allow me. It's no, it's Northern hemisphere. Vocal cords don't work to do the F A H space 20% R. Like it's not a full R. It's a 20% R out. It's like a, if you were to exclaim the beginning of the F word, but not finish it, how would that sound? Do that now. Like fuh. Yeah, but like extended, like, like you've just realized that agents are about to take you away. They've burst in through the door behind you. They're pulling you away and we only hear the trail off the microphone. Fuck, oh, like, fuck. Do that. <laughs> yeah, like that. but extended. Oh. That's what you're going to do. Fuck. Just don't end it with an R. Don't end it with an R. Oh, fa, 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 la, like that. La, la. No, that's singing. Um, yeah, it's like far. <laughs> but the R is there. You don't know you have the little bit of R at the end. That's the thing. You're not seeing it. Oh, yeah. You're yeah. too close to I'm just to trying it. to really push you to the extreme so that you remove it. You're in the forest. You can't see the tree that is the little R. That's the issue. You got to try it. I'm going to keep practicing. Come on. No, no, like, no, give, give us your best shot It's now. like far out. That doesn't... That no, doesn't do it again. Work. I didn't hear that. Far. That was pretty good. Oh, far out. See, then my out gets screwed No, the up. out was wrong. Far out. Oh, far out. See, and then the out sounds weird. Fall out. I can't. Fall out. It's like I get a W. I get a W. I get a wout. Fall out. It just doesn't work. I want it so bad. I think you should just stick with that because it's pretty good. Far out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like stick with that one. He's a six-year-old with a lisp. I'll fall I out. Think, I think the issue is that I think because... 
I am American. I think we're just stuck with with just the full on four letter F word. Like that's just what we have. I don't think we're allowed to have. I just, so here's the issue: is that I routinely swear too much on this podcast. So I was hoping that I could take on the far out as a replacement because it's not offensive. Or just in general. You're doing your R and your T. You're, you're over-enunciating. Swallow both. I'm going to keep practicing. Far and out. I'm gonna... You're saying far oh. out. Far I'm out. going to keep practicing. Oh, it's a good name for a podcast. Keeppracticing.com.au. And I'll try to do it next time better. Well, look, I put on probably not my best American accent an episode far ago. Out. And heard Australianisms throughout the whole thing. So I have to keep practicing too. Yeah. Hey, Andrew, do you think you might keep practicing? I need to do one. I know. The feed, the feed's drying up. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be cruel, but in the podcast player, it currently says that the schedule is inactive. So. All right. All right. Doesn't say that, doesn't say that for lounge ruminator. Gentle prod. I'm just looking for mine now. Gentle, gentle prod. No, I think that one's like every two weeks on Thursday or something. So something to ruminate on at the end of this episode <laughs> is when will the next keep practicing into the feed? Very Maybe soon. this was it. Very soon. Yeah. <laughs> Far out, guys. Leave You'll me catch alone. that on Golden Far Guys out. next time with Jason Burke and Andrew Kenyon. Far out. See, picking... If I just say far out, far out. You're picking far on me. Far out. Far out. Okay, I'm going now. See you guys. <laughs> Bye, Martin. Hey, we got to count down. We got to end. Three, All right, let's try this one, time. Three, two, two. Oh, wait. Oh. Three, two. One, stop.